Ephesians chapter 1. Um, we're uh, not doing a verse by verse, but we're just uh, going to pick out some some lessons out of the book of Ephesians and uh, and just talk about it. Uh, but uh, so for the next few weeks, we'll be looking at the book of Ephesians. And I just encourage you, um, if you uh, if you have a Bible uh, that you can write in, if you don't have one that you can write in, get you one. You know, leave that holy one on the table or whatever and get you one you can write in. And I encourage you to just read the book of Ephesians. You know, a lot of people, they don't know a chapter and a verse or, you know, they don't know how to turn to the Bible. And and, and it's intimidating when you don't know how to do that. But you know what? I think one of the best ways to get a little bit better grasp on the Bible is just stick with a book and read it, you know, a number of times. And after you read it a number of times, you're going to know, man, I remember that passage is in Ephesians and it's only six chapters. So you'll find it somewhere. Amen. So I encourage you to read it, uh, you know, to read it slow, reflective and prayerful and ask the Lord to just reveal a spiritual nugget that that God wants you to understand that'll give you uh, strength for your life. Amen. I mean, you know, one word from the Lord can make all the difference in the world. Right. And so uh, and the Lord wants to speak to us. Do you believe that? And he's given us a whole book of love letters. And so if you get in that book and read it, God will speak to you and he'll love up on you a little bit. Amen. And so um, as we begin our second lesson, you remember Paul's main purpose in writing the book of Ephesians was um, the, the church's Ephesus was, was although they, they were spiritually rich beyond measure, they were actually living as spiritual paupers. And uh, spiritually speaking, it's like they had this, this uh, spiritual bank account that was loaded, but they were living like they didn't have anything. And so... Um, and the reason the Ephesian believers were living like that was because primarily because they were ignorant. They were ignorant of what God provided for them. And the Bible says in, in Hosea 4 and 6, my people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. How many of you know we need to know who we are in Christ? And we need to know what's in our heavenly bank account, amen? A key verse is in Ephesians 1 and 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Notice we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. And where are those spiritual blessings? They're in heavenly places, amen? You know, years ago, uh, I was checking my account, my investment account, and all of a sudden, I had thousands of dollars more than I than I thought, you know. And I was like, "Wow!" It grew like uh, phenomenally overnight, or something, you know. And so, uh, you know, I was like, "Well, you know, man, I, I I'm blessed." You know, God gave me a miracle. And then I called my investor. And he said, "Oh, that was a mistake. Don't spend that money. It's not yours." <laughs> and of course, they took it back out. You know. Well, how many of you know the Lord has loaded up our spiritual bank account? And we can spend it. Amen. And last week we talked about the seven invisible heavenly blessings. In chapter one, Paul begins unpacking them. You know, the, the blessing of being jo- chosen and adopted and redeemed and, and to know the mystery of his will and, 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 and possessing our spiritual inheritance and sealed with the Holy Spirit and guaranteed a future blessing. It's just starting. Amen. How many of you know that there's more to come, right? And so Paul unlocks these seven, these seven heavenly blessings. Then he spontaneously shifts gears in chapter one of Ephesians. He shifts gears and he erupts in this passionate prayer for the Ephesian church. And this is what he says in Ephesians 1 and 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, 
Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that you, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and a knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Amen. Now, Paul's quest, you you just read a prayer. And Paul's quest was to educate the Ephesian believers about their spiritual inheritance. And he begins writing out and, and talking to them about these blessings. And then he starts praying. He prays this passionate prayer. And two, three thoughts concerning this prayer. One, it's impossible to really grasp the significance of our spiritual inheritance apart from prayer. I mean, we can know, we're, we can hear. You're chosen, you're adopted, you're redeemed. You have a spiritual inheritance. But unless you, unless you bathe those promises and those blessings in prayer, you're going to be limited in how you can understand them. But number two, we should uh, all take time to pray for ourselves as well as those we love. Amen. Uh, if Paul thought it important to exercise the spiritual discipline of prayer, he's praying for the church. How many of you know we should pray? Right? We should pray. A third thought to consider is this. Paul gives us a very helpful prayer model to pray uh, internal or eternal, not internal, but eternal impacting prayers. Paul wants us to make a difference. Amen. He wants us to, he wants us to plunder hell and he wants us to populate heaven. Amen. He wants us to break the back of the evil one and he wants us to live in victory. Right. And so we have to pray powerful prayers, impacting prayers. And right here, he gives us five secrets to praying eternal impacting prayer. And listen, sometimes when you pray, you don't know exactly what to say and you don't know what to pray. I encourage you, get a prayer model like the Lord's Prayer or even this prayer. And right here in this prayer, he gives us some secrets to praying powerful prayers. And the first one is praying without ceasing. And that's what he says there in verse 21. He says, for this reason, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in prayer. The operative word there is do not cease. Do not cease. Paul prayed without ceasing. Now the word that means to pray un- uninterruptedly or without stopping. S- unceasing prayer means to pray all the time. In other words, don't let one day get by without praying. Amen. Don't let one half day go by without praying. Amen. And, and, and how many of you know, it don't have to be this long, elaborate prayer. You can say, Jesus, I need you. How many of you know that's prayer? Jesus, help me. That's prayer. Amen. And so Paul says in, in Romans, Paul said, Romans 1, 9, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel for his son, that I, um, God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayer. I wonder what would happen if we would just pray more. I wonder if we, what would happen if we would just pray just a little bit more than we're praying right now. If, if we wouldn't let one day go by without saying, Lord, I need your help. Lord, cover me today. Lord, bless me today. Amen. You know, years ago, I, I, it's been a while since I read the story, so I, I won't 
I, I won't maybe mention all the facts straight, but some of you are familiar with this story. This man decided he was going to pray every day for lunch for his family, for his children and his grandchildren. And uh, every day he would pray for his family. And he did that for years. Well, you know, one by one, every one of his children uh, began to, you know, be saved, uh, be filled with God's spirit, uh, felt the calling of God and just begin to walk in the calling. And, and all of them ended up in full time ministry doing something for God, except one. But one of his children, died. they weren't interested in like going in the ministry. They wanted to go to college and become a psychologist. Well, you know, that person, for those of you who are familiar with Focus on the Family, that psychologist was Jim Dobson. And Jim Dobson started Focus on the Family and has helped family and, and, and families all over the world and maybe has had more of an impact on the nation than anybody else. But you know what? Every day, every day, he prayed for his family. And, and all these incredible things happen. Amen? Come on, how many of you know there's power in prayer? And so 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. Listen, if, if, the, if, if we want our prayers to have eternal impact, we got to keep praying, gang. We got to keep praying. You say, man, I prayed about that. It didn't happen. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Amen. How many of you know the devil wants you to get discouraged and give up, right? But don't give up. Keep praying. Come on. If you hear me say Amen. Amen. Let's pray and let's ask God. Hey, listen, you might have somebody in your family that's so far from the Lord right now. Well, how many of you know that he's got a long arm? How many of you know the Lord's got a long arm? Amen. And he can reach us wherever we're at. The second secret to praying prayers that he have eternal impact is this. Pray that you would know him better. Now, listen, there is nothing more important to pray for ourselves or our loved ones than to pray that we would know the Lord better, Right? I mean, listen, if our children know the Lord intimately and personally, that's the best thing that could happen to them. Listen, if we pray, if we know the Lord intimately and personally, that's the best thing that could happen to us. You know, listen, you know, uh, Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What a great priority to pray. Lord, I pray that I might know you better. In, the, in Philippians 3, Paul says, uh, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. In verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. How many of you know, we need to know the Lord intimately and personally, amen, above all else. Now listen, knowing Christ is just not having facts about the Lord. It's, it's having a full knowledge of his truth. You know, and, and, uh, in the growth track, by the way, if you've never been to the growth track, I encourage you to get in. But in one of the classes, we talk about this, that you know, um, uh, we talk about this particular subject about it's not just good enough to pray this prayer and Lord, I want to be saved, but we need to pray that, that we would know him personally and intimately. In one place, Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, that's the last thing I want to hear him say is I don't know who you are. I want him to know, oh, I've heard your voice a lot. You've talked to me a lot. Amen. Come on. How about you? Right. And so, uh, but we talk about this and you know, it's like, I know the president. I know of him. I knew him, but he don't know me. If I walked in a room, we walked in the same room. He would just like, Hey, how you doing? You know, 
But how many of you know some people know him personally? He's got children and grandchildren who know him personally. Some of us, we know about the Lord. We just don't know him personally. And so we should pray, Lord, help me to learn, to grow in my knowledge of you. How many of you know that the more you know him, the more you're going to receive from him? Hebrews 4, 16 says this. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, some people like, uh, you know, they pray and they pray like, Lord, you know, don't strike me down, but would you help me? And there's no boldness there. You know, I was thinking about uh, my daughter, Olivia. When she comes to our house, although she doesn't live there anymore, she's married, you know, and has a family. She walks in our house and she walks boldly to the refrigerator. <laughs> she just walks boldly to the refrigerator and says, what you got to drink in here, right? And then uh, why? Because uh, she, she knows the father, right? And, and so now Benjamin, my son-in-law, he'll, he'll, he, he's getting a little bit more comfortable, but he's not so bold. He's like, uh, you have anything to drink, you know? Well, come on. Some of us are like, you know, we're, we're, we're walking in the kingdom of God and we're afraid to touch the refrigerator. But come on, how many of you know our father owns the refrigerator? Amen. Come on, everything in there is ours. And so we can come boldly through the throne of grace. Not because we're anything, but because he's everything. Amen. Come on, if you agree with that, say amen. amen. So how should we pray to know him better? The answer is found in verse 17. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. A good passage to pray is uh, Isaiah 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. How many of you know we need wisdom and we need revealed word? The word revealed to us. You know, it's the difference is the written word and the, the unfolded word. It's like the neon light on the word. You can read the same verse over and over again. And one time you read it and a word will just jump off the pages and say, that's for you. That's for you. That's in your refrigerator. And that's yours for the taking. Amen. I encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit give you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Because the more we know Him, the more we can receive from Him. Amen? The third secret to praying powerful, impactful prayers is this. Pray to see the hope of His calling. And that's what He says in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart... Now notice, the eyes of your heart. Not your physical eyes. The eyes of your heart. That's revelation. You, that they may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. Now, what is the hope he's speaking of here? Hope is confident expectation that God will bring to pass what he has promised or called us to. Amen? Now, uh, what's our calling? I believe there's two parts to what God has called you and I to. First of all, there's the immediate calling and then the final calling. The final calling, obviously, is when he calls us home. How many of you know one day we're going to be called home? Amen? And we ain't going to have to pay any more bills. We ain't going to have to swat mosquitoes anymore. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody just woke up right there. But listen, 
Philippians 3.14, Paul said, I press to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God called us through Christ Jesus. Come on, pray. Part of our hope is that one day, listen, you know, listen, everything we face or we endure the suffering of this world, man, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and man, it's tough. Listen, one day it's going to be over, saints. And we're going to be called home where there's no pain, no suffering. There's no crying. There's no dying. Amen. There's no bills. There's no, none of that stuff. Amen. Come on. How many of you are looking forward to that? We need to have hope of eternal life. You know, I talked to two families this week. Yesterday, uh, Herman Jacobs, he, he, he uh, buried his mom. And then, of course, I was talking the Duyon family yesterday. And both of those families, whenever they were telling me about what was going on, they said, you know, my mom knew the Lord. Kathy's, Kathy's mom knew the Lord. Come on, how many of you know there's hope when your loved one knows the Lord? Amen. Because you know that this is not the end. They just stepped right over into the other side. They just walked into their palace, their mansion. Come on, how many of you know nothing in this world can touch anything that God creates, right? And it's going to be amazing, that heavenly home. Paul said this. He said, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearing. Come on, how many of you long for his appearing? Some of us maybe won't die. The Lord is going to come back, right? And we can get translated, man. We're just going to like, we're here one minute. We're going to be there the next minute. So that's part of our hope. But so, you know, our final calling, but our immediate calling is also part of our hope. Our immediate calling. And Romans 8, 28 says, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, God has called us to fulfill his purpose in our life. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt. We're called to be ambassadors for the Lord. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation. We've been gifted. We've been called. We've been gifted. We've been empowered to do something for God. How many of you know that? God wants us to do something. God wants us to live our life. Our immediate hope is this. We have purpose right now. And now listen, there's nothing that will fuel your life more than when you realize that God, listen, regardless of what you do for a living, God has something higher than that. Amen. You know, uh, Philippians 3, 14, Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. How many of you know God's got a high calling on your life? Listen, if you're hearing my voice, God is not done with you. God is not done with what he has for you. The question is, what does God have for me? We need to pray to know what God's calling is. God, what do you want to do? That's a good pray to prayer. Lord, Lord, open my eyes, the eyes of my heart. What do you want me to do? See, listen, you don't have any joy in Christianity until you have decided to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. You know, listen, even in church, You know, selfishness has crept into the church and we come into church and say, what does the church have for me? It's the wrong question. It's the absolute wrong question. What you need to say is, Lord, what do you have for me to do in that church? 
Come on, what do you have for me? Come on, are y'all hearing me? That might go against the grain, but listen, we don't take our instructions from the world. We take them from the word of God, amen? Come on, God has a holy calling, a high calling, a mighty calling for you, and if you have breath, God wants you to walk in it, amen? That brings hope. You know, this week, uh, Melanie, uh, I was talking to Melanie, and she went she went serve at Eight Days of Hope. How many of you went out there to serve at Eight Days of Hope? You know, they're helping people that are not in their houses yet. And she was beaming. She was beaming. When you're doing something for God, it ignites fire in you. And listen, some of you, you're just, you're just a decision away from receiving fresh fire in your life. Come on, we say, Lord, I want your fire. You want fire? Do what God's called you to do. Because listen, he said, I have given you power so that you can be my witnesses. Amen. Now, how many of you believe I should move on right now? Amen. I will. Okay. The fourth secret to praying high impact prayers is this. Pray to be able to spiritually see the riches of God's inheritance. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The problem with the church of Ephesus was they didn't see what they had coming to them as a believer. And, you know, I think I think a lot of times and, and because they didn't know they were living, although they were wealthy, they were living as destitute, as beggars. And I believe that's the same problem that you and I face sometimes, you know, that we don't know the full benefit that's ours as believers. Amen. And some of us, we're not living with joy because we don't know it's our inheritance. Come on, I'm preaching good right there. Some of us are not living with peace because we don't know it's our inheritance. Jesus said, my peace, I live with you. Amen. Come on, we're living discouraged because we don't know that the spirit of the Lord has been given to us to encourage us. Amen. Come on, how many of you know that I don't have to lay down and to submit to what the enemy wants to put on me? I can rise up in the name of Jesus because I got a bank account that is loaded. Come on, you've been chosen, you've been adopted, you've been redeemed. Come on, he's given you a spiritual inheritance. Come on, make a withdrawal out of your bank account. Amen. You know, that's a great prayer to pray. Lord, pray. I pray that you give me eyes to see how rich I am. What is my spiritual inheritance? In fact, it's a great pray to prayer. It's a great prayer to pray for your loved ones. Lord, give them spiritual eyes to see. To see what? See how much you love them. To see what's theirs. To see the richness that they have. They don't have to live like they're a reject. That they're a nobody. Lord, let them see that they're chosen. They're adopted. Lord, let them not feel like you're, they're unwanted and they're unloved. Lord, let them see that they're redeemed. Their sins are forgiven. And they're washed in the blood of Jesus. Let them see that, Lord. Come on, how many of you know, whenever you see your riches, it helps you to move. Amen. I'm convinced that none of us fully know the riches. Amen. The fifth secret of praying prayers that have eternal impact is pray to understand the power available to God's children. And, and here one more time, he says in verse 18, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened and that you would know what is the hope of his calling, but are the riches of his glory and his inheritance of the saints. And what is, listen, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? They are in incarnates with the working of the strength of his might. Now, I'm convinced that none of us know or actually live in the fullness of his power. Would y'all agree with that? 
I don't think any of us do. Remember, um, remember the father that had the demon-possessed son and they brought him to the disciples. The disciples couldn't help them and he brought him to Jesus and said, hey, can you help him? In Mark 9, 21, he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But listen, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, it's obvious this man didn't fully understand or know the power of his greatness. Because he said, Lord, if you can help him. Now, let me ask you a question. Can the Lord deliver a demon-possessed person? Do y'all believe that? Well, this father obviously didn't know that. Now, we might say, Lord, we believe that you can deliver a demon-possessed boy. But do we believe he can give us a breakthrough with the situation we're dealing with? Come on, say amen. Amen. How many of you know it's easier sometimes to have faith for somebody else than for us ourselves, right? And so, you know, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. I believe what Jesus was saying is this. All things are possible for you if you just believe the surpassing greatness of his power. Is there anything the Lord can't change? Is there anything the Lord can't move? Is there any problem that the Lord can't see us past? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. How, how great is the greatness of God? In verse 20, he says, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in right, at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. How great is the greatness of God's power? It raises the dead. That's how great it is. Amen? And the biggest blessing is this. Not that he just, the power of God is unlimited, that it can raise the dead, but he's, his power that he gave to Christ, Christ gave to the church. And we can walk in that power. Amen? Come on, amen? We can walk in that power, gang. Come on, there's more power available to us. Amen. Come on, it's like we're using our cell phone with that red bar on it and it can't get a signal. And the Lord said, come on, don't live your spiritual life with a red bar. Come on, live it fully charged. Amen. Come on, with the power of God. I believe this. I believe the more we spiritually understand and believe God's power and ability, the more we'll experience God's power and ability. Amen. You know, another great prayer to pray is we're praying the model prayer. Lord, would you just give me eyes to see and understand the surpassing greatness of your power. Come on, how many of you know he's got unlimited power? There's no mountain that he can't move. Regardless of what it looks like in the natural, in the spirit, there's nothing God can't do. The question is, do you believe? The question is, do you believe? Remember, Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown because people said, ah, oh, he's the carpenter's son. They didn't believe. Amen. Come on. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who? How many of you believe that God's power can do anything? Come on. No, so listen. So listen. So that means you have to look at your situations differently. You have to look at your situations and quit bad-mouthing them. And quit bellyaching. And quit having a pity party. You can't look at it like that any longer. Say, wait a minute. 
My situation might be bad, but the surpassing greatness of God's power can deliver me and set me free. Amen. Come on, listen, the devil would love for us to stay on the negative page, have a pity party, and be the, you know, the, the one that doesn't have any confidence that any better day can happen. But God's saying, come on, lift up your countenance, look, lift up your head, look into the hills in which your help comes from. Come on, y'all believe that this morning? Come on, just stand with me. Let's, let's close out in prayer this morning. But before we do, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment to pray. There were many of you that came up this morning and you said, man, I need a miracle. Come on, God's power. God's power can, can perform a miracle, can create a miracle. Do y'all believe that? Come on, just do me a favor. Just close your eyes with me for a moment. You know, the Bible says that um, that surpassing greatness is available to those who believe, which means to Christians. It's not available to people that just like say, I know God or I believe in God. It's people that surrender to God. It's know him intimately and personally. And the devil will be content with allowing us to go to church as long as we don't fully cross the line and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness and I want to be a Christian. And you might be here today and say, Todd, I need these blessings. I need the power of God in my life. But I don't know the Lord personally. I, I'm not sure of that. Or maybe you're here today and you say, man, at one time I was walking with the Lord, but I've gone astray and I need to get back. I need to get back. I need to start serving the Lord again. You're just one decision away from that. If you're here and you say, Todd, would you pray a prayer for me that I can, I can become a Christian or I can get back on track? If you would just acknowledge by raising your hand, I want to pray. Thank you, ma'am. I, I want to pray a prayer. Right? Thank you. Thank you. There's another hand. There's another. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Don't, don't be ashamed. Don't be timid. We're a family here. Come on, just say, man, I want, I, want, I want in. I want to be in the kingdom of God. Listen, those of you that raised your hand, listen, I'm just trying to move you in faith. Just raise both hands and just hold them up and just pray this prayer. We're going to pray it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that I've sinned against you, but I believe you forgive. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me today? Would you cleanse my heart? Would you wash my sins away? Lord Jesus, I want to be a Christian. Lord, I want to follow you. Today, I'm committing or recommitting my life to you. Help me, Lord, to live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen, yes, amen. Now the Lord says he forgives you and the Lord receives you and the Lord gives you a chance to have eternal life. Amen? Come on. Now listen, if you pray that prayer, don't forget, fill out this, fill out this card and uh, we have a gift for you. We're not going to harass you or anything. We just want to give you some tools to help you get started and celebrate the greatest decision you could ever make. Amen. Now listen, how about the rest of us? Come on, how many of you want eyes to see? Come on, how many of you want spiritual eyes? Come on, how many of you say, I don't, want, I don't want to find out that I had all this wealth in my spiritual bank account and I never made the withdrawal. I want to, li- I want to use it while I'm here. Come on, how many of you feel that way? Let's pray that prayer. Lord, 
Come on, let's ask the Lord to just give us eyes to see. Lord, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus for everyone here, including myself, that Lord, you would give us spiritual eyes. The eyes of our heart may be open and that we would see the glorious inheritance that we've received as Christians. Thank you, Father God, for just giving us revelation knowledge. As we read the Bible, Lord, let us see what we've never seen before. Lord, as we spend time with you, by your spirit, Lord, let us let us feel and understand things about our relationship with you that we never knew before. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have somebody up here to pray. But if not, God bless you. Have a great day and we'll see you soon.